you're listening to another inspirational message from Bell Road Church. If you live in the North Phoenix area and are looking for a church community, we'd love to have you join us. It's a great place for the whole family where you can have fun and grow closer to Jesus. For more information, visit us at www.bellroadchurch.com. I want to dive right into the message, and so I want to invite our friend Donna to come up here to the front, and she's going to read a couple scriptures to us. Feel free to go to 1 John chapter 2 if you'd like. You can follow along, 1 John chapter 2, and I'd love for you to stand right now. It'd take a few moments to stand for the reading of the word, and then Donna has a couple passages she's going to read for us. 1 John 2, 3 through 6, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's worth truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live now in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. It's the word of the Lord. Would you join me in prayer right now? Lord, we thank you for your word. And as we unpack these scriptures and many more today, Lord, we just pray that the truth of your word would shed light into our lives so that we would know better today how to live like you. Lord, we want to learn more about you and who you are, and ultimately, Jesus, we want to follow your example, live as you did, so Lord, help us, Lord, not just to grow in knowledge, but Lord, help us to apply this to our life so we truly would be people who live out the simple statement of living like you, Jesus. So would you help us do that today? In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Why don't you go ahead and have a seat? So... We're going through our series here, Love, Live, Lead. It's a breakdown of our mission statement. And our mission statement is, and if you know it, go ahead and say it with me, okay? Love people, live like Jesus, lead others to him. And maybe you don't know it, but you just read it on the screen. Awesome. Good job. That's cool, too. So the series is Love, Live, Lead, which is the key words there. And today we're going to talk about what it means to live like Jesus. And as I was putting this together this week, I thought to myself, dear God, what have I gotten myself into? Like this is an eight week plus, this could be an eight year series. Let's be real. What does it mean to live like Jesus? We could spend our entire life actually probably talking about this, the significance of it, all the different facets of it. I love when you get to the end of the book of John. And, and he's like, you know, and Jesus did a lot of other things. We couldn't record them all. I suppose if, if we put them all in a book, the world wouldn't have enough books to contain everything that Jesus did. You know, it's kind of like that. That's the topic we have tackled today. For the next 30 minutes, I'm going to talk about how to live like Jesus. And I felt like I should, we, should, we should maybe do this longer. Like maybe we should take three hours to do this just to make sure we really, really do this well. Oh, would that be okay if we take three hours maybe instead of 30 minutes? Want to do? You got three hours today? <laughs> We got plenty of donuts. Yeah, we can have donuts again for lunch. (laughs) 
Uh, I won't do that. T- today actually is me and Amy's 18th wedding anniversary. <laughs> celebrating 18 years today. Man, unfortunately, Amy's home right now. She's watching from her bed. She doesn't feel good. She's been battling this crazy sickness, this weird thing going on for, for several weeks. So, Amy, I love you. I wish you were here with me today. And uh, 18 years. Uh, it's, it's been an amazing, amazing journey. You know, I'll never forget when, before Amy and I were dating, I'd only known Amy for a few months, probably about six months at the time. And we're in this leadership training session, and my, uh, our pastor said, hey, if you want to know what it means to love people, just watch Amy. She loves people. She is like the perfect model for all of you leaders on how to love people. And I wasn't dating Amy at the time, but I'm like, I, I was like, yeah, I've kind of, she does a good job of that. And then later on, I just kind of fell in love with her too. But uh, she has someone who throughout every, since, ever since I've known her, she has been one of the best people I've ever known uh, what it means to love people. And uh, Amy's an amazing, unique blend of prophet and lover of people. <laughs> and uh, so sometimes she may say things that uh, God wants us to know and hear that's like a little uncomfortable. I didn't want to hear that, but you know she always loves you. And sometimes she's made people upset, but then later on they come back and like, okay, thank you. I needed to hear that. I love you. Thank you for loving me. You know, and it's, it's kind of fun about her. But um, I just love that about you, Amy, and I just love that about her. She loves people so well. We talked about loving people in the last couple of weeks and Amy does it so well, and I'm so appreciative of her. So I just want to take a moment and just honor her, especially since she couldn't be here today. Hopefully she can make next service, but I don't know. But 18 years today. So and uh, thank you. In light of that, I probably won't take three hours today because of that. But we're going to talk about this. What does it mean to love or to live like Jesus? And I want to start off by saying this. If you want to live like Jesus, let Jesus live in you. Just put it simple, plain, clear. You want to live like Jesus? Let Jesus live in you. I love Galatians 2.20, one of my life verses. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. If we could really live this out, this will help us to live like Jesus, which is no easy task, by the way. Some might say, how can we even do this? Like, why is that part of our mission statement? Nobody can live like Jesus. Why should we even try? Well, the truth is, Jesus has called us to follow his example, to live like him. And so this is just you and I following and obeying the teachings of Jesus. He's asked us, okay, do what I've done. We'll look at several verses in this, but this is the calling you and I have. And Jesus obviously lived a perfect life. You and I will never live a perfect life, but this is the goal. We don't compare ourselves to other people. We compare ourselves to Jesus, which first and foremost shows us we are clearly not perfect like him, and we need a savior, and we need someone who paid the penalty for our sins, and that was Jesus. And so we compare ourselves to him, and it shows us I need a savior, but also it shows me who to live like. And if you really want to go deep into this, you've got to hit the word, my friends, and read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament. We call those the Gospels because they center around the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus. He is the epicenter of the Gospel message. It's all about Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And so to really learn what it means to live like Jesus, go through, pour over the pages of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over and over and over again because this is so important, friends, to live like Jesus. This is why we love discipleship around here. We've been in a discipleship initiative for over a year now called Disciple Maker. And if you've been around here for a while, you know. And we really are wanting to create a culture 
of deep, authentic discipleship. We want you to go deep in your relationship with Jesus. We don't want it to be surface. We don't want it to be shallow. We want you to go deep. We want you to even go deeper. Here's what I've learned about Jesus. Is as much as I've experienced with him and about him, there's more. Whatever you've experienced with Jesus, there's more of him to be experienced. You can get closer to Jesus. You can go deeper in your relationship with Jesus. So we're going to continue with discipleship. We've got some cool, exciting things coming up in the, in the next few months as we continue our discipleship initiative, but we really, 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 really value discipleship here. In fact, the whole mission of Jesus, the Great Commission, really is twofold. It's evangelism and discipleship, and we want to do both well here. We're not all about evangelism. We're not all about discipleship. If you feel like we don't do enough discipleship around here, then that's probably because you, you have a gifting that leans into that discipleship thing. Like maybe you're a teacher uh, you know, a pastor or whatever, and you really feel like we need more discipleship, and that's okay because that's probably a gifting of yours and we need your help to help make sure we do discipleship well. Amen? Maybe you feel like we don't do enough evangelism around here and some might say that and that's probably because you have a unique gift for evangelism and we need your help as well. We're all called to do both, but we're uniquely gifted for one over the other probably by Jesus. And we want you and I to lean into our gifts, but we need to do both evangelism and discipleship. And so all that to say, we really want to lean into discipleship as a church and live like Jesus. So let's talk about what this means. And as I prepared for this, I decided to take a, a, a turn away from where you think we might be going. I'm not going to talk about what Jesus did today. I'm going to talk about how he lived. And I think how he lived informs you and I on how to live, and that will impact and affect what we do in our life. Now, Jesus did some great things. Like, we could go through all the what. You know, Jesus walked around healing people, healing diseases. Uh, the blind could see. The lame could walk. He multiplied food for the hungry. He went preaching. He was teaching. He discipled people. He raised people from the dead. Like, Jesus did great things. And then he even said something interesting. He says, you'll do even greater things. You will do even greater things than me, Jesus says. And so we're called to do great things, but I want us to lean into who Jesus was and how he lived his life, because that will inform you on how we can live like Jesus. And so I'll just start off by saying this. Jesus knew who he was and what he was called to do. It is very clear. You read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus knew who he was and what he was called to do. And my prayer is that you would know who you are and what you're called to do. That's my prayer for all of you. You would know who you are and what you're called to do. So in thinking about this, like, there could be lots of things we could put into this, but I, I narrowed it down to six things that I want to walk through over the next several moments on what it means to live like Jesus. So six things. Number one, Jesus walked in love. Number two, he was clear on his purpose. Number three, he was focused in his mission. Number four, he was holy in his thinking. Number five, he was secure in his identity. And number six, he was filled and led by the Spirit. I think you and I are called to walk in love, to be clear on our purpose, to be focused on our mission, to be holy in our thinking, to be secure in our identity and filled and led by the Spirit just like Jesus. So let's talk about this. You ready? Ready? Take some notes because it's going to be good stuff. We've got lots of scripture here today. So let's talk about what does it mean to walk in love. John 13, 
Jesus said this. He says, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So we're called to follow Jesus' example. Jesus clearly says that. Later on in the same chapter, Jesus says this. There's a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We looked at that in detail last Sunday. Talk about what it means. But it's important for us to love one another. And so Jesus is calling you and I to love each other, to love one another. That will show the world who we are, whose disciples we are. Because Jesus is saying, I've loved you. I'm going to love you so much, so I'm going to lay down my life for you. And I'm calling you to love the same way. And then Ephesians 5 says this. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Everybody say walk in love. That's what we're talking about here. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So again, we talked about what it means to walk in love and to love people last week. I won't go into any more depth into this. If you missed last week's message, please go back and listen to that or watch this. Watch it because you and I are called to walk in love just as Jesus walked in love. Everything Jesus did was because of and out of love. He served people. He washed his disciples' feet. He healed people. He even left certain towns, went on to the next town to, to preach. Jesus was humble. He, he even suffered. He was hanging on the cross, and he forgave the people that were killing him. Everything that Jesus did was out of love. He lived the life of love. He walked in love, and you and I are called to do the same thing. So number two, Jesus was clear on his purpose. Jesus said, I know where I came from and where I'm going. Even at the age of 12, Jesus says, I must be about my father's business. At the age of 12, he knew his purpose. And then Luke 4 says, it says, when it was day, he, Jesus, departed and went to a desolate place or an isolated place. And people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. Jesus knew clearly what his purpose was. And then John 12, read a few verses in John 12, verse 27. Jesus says, now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. I love that the people around Jesus actually heard God speak to Jesus in that moment. It's one of three, three instances where, where God the Father spoke publicly to God the Son, to Jesus. But Jesus is saying, hey, my heart is troubled uh, emotionally. I'm struggling with this. Should I walk away from this? No, this is why I'm here. This is my purpose. Father, I want to glorify you. That's my purpose. And then John 17, he, Jesus is praying to God, his father. He says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Could go on and on where Jesus shows us. He knew what his purpose was. He knew why he came. And it's important, you and I know the same thing. Why are you here? What is your purpose in life? 
Why has he given you another day to live? In fact, why has he given any of us life for that matter? This is really one of the four basic, fundamental, philosophical questions in all of life. It basically is this. What's the meaning of life? What is the meaning of life? If you were to go around and ask people what's the meaning of life or what's the purpose of life, you could get a lot of different answers, right? People would say, you know, it's, uh, I just want to be good to people, be nice to people, live a good life, raise a good family. Some people would say, that's the purpose, that's the meaning. Some people would say, there is no meaning. Some people would say, well, I just want to make good money, support myself, get enough toys so I could play on the weekend. That's the purpose of life. I and mean, we could have lots of different answers to what is the meaning or the purpose of life. And I'm not going to break it down to you. I've alluded to it, but I will say this. If we really want to know our purpose, I think it's important for us to go to the source of life. We've got to look to our maker, the one who created life, the one who gave you and I life, if we're going to find out why am I here? What is life all about? What is my purpose? I've got to go to the author of life himself. Do you know your purpose? Do you know why you're here? It is imperative that you and I are clear on our purpose as well. Number three, Jesus was focused on his mission. He was very focused on his mission. Now, he knew his purpose, which was his, his why. His mission is, is his what. So this is getting into a little bit of the what, but this is a very, very, very important what. I'm going to look at Luke chapter 19, just a couple of verses in Luke chapter 19, verse 8. And this is where Jesus is hanging out with a tax collector named Zacchaeus. And if you've heard of Zacchaeus, you know that Zacchaeus was a short guy, and he was considered like this sinner, heathen, traitor to the Jewish nation because he partnered with the Roman Empire and collected taxes. He was a cheater. He would swindle people out of money. Uh, but he heard Jesus was coming to town, and since he was short and couldn't see over the crowd, he climbed a tree. Jesus is walking by, sees him up in the tree, and Jesus says, hey, Zacchaeus, come on, let's go and eat lunch at your house. So Jesus and Zacchaeus are hanging out. Zacchaeus becomes a believer in Jesus. And his life is radically changed. And here's how we know Zacchaeus' life is radically changed. That's what it says in verse 8. It says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of, of, of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. What was Jesus' mission? To seek and to save what was lost. And so we see in Zacchaeus, first and foremost, a, a radical life change. For him to actually begin to view his money differently, like remember, he's a cheater, he's a swindler, he's just hoarding money, he's keeping it for himself. He is someone who loves, loves, loves money. For him to now say, hey, I'm going to give half of my, my money away, Jesus is saying, since your perspective has changed on your money, I know true salvation has come to you. And that's how we know when true salvation comes. When our perspective on anything in life, everything in life changes, we know that Jesus has radically transformed our life because we recognize Jesus owns it all. It all belongs to him even my money. And so Zacchaeus would even say, I'm going to give away half my money and if I've cheated anybody, four times as much, Jesus. And so Jesus looks at him and says, truly salvation has come to you. You are now a son of Abraham, which would have actually been shocking to his listeners. This guy, a sinner, a son of Abraham, he's a traitor. No way. But Jesus was saying, a son of Abraham 
is, is someone, it takes place by faith, not by genealogy and not by good works. It is by faith and faith alone. Jesus was changing the game here a little bit. And so you and I, by faith, are sons, daughters of Abraham as well because it's all about faith. But then Jesus clearly states his mission. This is why I've come, to seek and save the lost. And then Jesus has called you and I to do the same thing. He's called you and I to, to fulfill his mission. So I'm so thankful, by the way, that Jesus came to seek and save the lost because I was one of those and so were you. Who did Jesus come to seek and save? You and me. Because without Jesus, before Jesus, every single one of us was lost. Matthew 9 even says this. I, I love this. Jesus uh, is hanging out with uh, the Pharisees, and it says, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners, people like Zacchaeus? How dare he? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus says, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I've come to seek and save the lost. Who are those people? It's you and me. I'm a sinner. I was lost before Jesus, apart from Jesus. Jesus came for you and for me and for the whole world, for everybody. And he says, and now it's your turn. Followers of me, I'm sending you out. John 20 says this, says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So Jesus walked in complete obedience to the mission the Father had given him. And now he's calling us to go and walk in complete obedience to the calling uh, that he has given us. The same mission. This mission to go and make disciples is our responsibility. And it's also our privilege. It's our responsibility because there's a whole world around us that is lost. There's sinners all around us that need Jesus. It's our responsibility to take the message of the gospel, to take Jesus to the world around us. But it's also our great privilege, friends. Hey, if we don't do it, nobody else will. That's our responsibility. But we have the opportunity, and this is what's amazing, is that God would actually use little you and me to impact somebody else's life for all of eternity. That's mind-blowing, friends. It is our privilege. And I want you to understand this. The greatest legacy you and I could ever leave is not in stuff or money. It is an eternal legacy. The greatest legacy you and I leave is an eternal legacy. And I pray that your legacy would be kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-great-grandkids spiritually because of how you've lived like Jesus and shared Jesus and seen people's lives change for all of eternity. And then they go and impact other people and they go and impact other people. That, my friends, is a legacy. Nothing wrong with leaving money, inheritance, all, all that stuff. But, but the greatest legacy is an eternal legacy. And I pray that you and I would take that seriously. It's our responsibility, but it's our privilege. So Jesus was focused on his mission, so we need to be focused on our mission as well. Number four, Jesus was holy in his thinking. Okay, so let's, let's kind of recap here. Number one, Jesus walked in love, right? Number two, he was clear on his purpose. Number three, he was focused on his mission. Number four, he was holy in his thinking. So how are you doing with that one? Holy in your thinking. Someday in the future, we'll do a whole series on our thinking, the importance of our thought life, the power of our thought life, but our brain is a thinking machine, friends. 
Right now, your brain is thinking things. It is wandering. It's going, and, and, and even as I've been talking, your brain's probably been all over the place. It's been thinking, all this kind of stuff. And it's imperative that our mind is like the mind of Jesus, who had ho- a holy mind. Let's look at these passages here, 1 Corinthians 2. But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. As a believer, follower in Jesus, you have the mind of Christ. Philippians 2, and your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Boy, if we could live this out, this would really help us in life, because our thoughts affect everything we do. We don't do anything unless we first think it. If we could really live this thing out, this would really, really, really benefit us in life. Wouldn't you agree? And so the goal is 2 Corinthians 10, that you and I would learn to take every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. That's the goal. And, and if God's word didn't say we could do that, then I wouldn't believe we could do that. But God's word says it. So you and I actually have the ability to monitor every single thought that goes through our brain and take it captive and make it obedient to Christ. We want to live in that place of making every thought obedient to Christ. We can be holy in our thinking like Jesus. Okay, number five. Again, this is just a flyover. We could spend so long on all these kind of things, but I really want to bring it home with these last two. Number five, Jesus was secure in his identity. This is so, so important, friends. He was secure in who he was. Jesus knew who he was. Without a doubt, he was secure in that place of his identity. And we're going to end in Luke chapter 3 and 4. If you want to go to Luke chapter 3 and 4, we're looking at a couple verses in both those chapters here. As it pertains to these last two points regarding Jesus. Luke chapter 3, verse 21 says, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Which, by the way, as we're talking about living like Jesus, Jesus was baptized. We also should follow his example and get baptized. So if you've never been baptized before... We like to call it going public with your faith. Let us know. Sign up on your Connect card. And in two weeks, you can go public with your faith and let the world know, I'm a follower of Jesus. So Jesus was baptized. We follow his example, but he also told us to get baptized too. So Jesus was baptized. And this says, and as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love, With you, I am well pleased. This is another one of those, one of three instances where God the Father speaks to God the Son. Which, by the way, this is evidence right here for the Trinity. We know that God is three distinct persons, but still one God. You got God the Father speaking to God the Son audibly, and God the Spirit is descending on God the Son in this moment. This is... This is God, Father, God, the Son, and God, the Spirit. Three distinct persons, yet one God. But this shows us evidence right here of what the Trinity is and even how it plays out. And so Jesus gets baptized. Spirit comes and fills him, and then God speaks. And these words that God speaks to him are words of identity. God says, you're my son. I love you. And I'm pleased with you. And then you see that Jesus lived out of those words the rest of his ministry and his life. In fact, Jesus doesn't do anything public until after this moment. He hasn't gone public with his ministry until after his 
water baptism, God's speaking over him, and he's filled with the Spirit. But God speaks some very important words of identity. Jesus is getting ready to go into the desert. He's going to be tempted by the devil for, uh, you know, he's going to be fasting for 40 days, gets tempted by the devil, and the devil's going to attack him. Clearly, two out of the three temptations that are recorded there, the devil attacks his identity, and he says to Jesus, if you really are the Son of God, is that who you really are? Are you sure? If you really are, then prove it, Jesus. Do this. Perform right now on command. And the devil wanted to get Jesus to question his identity. And the devil will do the same thing to you and to me. If he can get us to question our identity and step out of our true identity in Christ, you and I will make poor decisions. We will make decisions not out of security, but out of insecurity. Because in my true identity, there is security. But when I step out of my true identity, that's where I operate in insecurity. And so Jesus knows who he is, doesn't give in to the temptation, and doesn't try to perform on command. Because Jesus is like, I don't need to prove to you who I am. I know who I am. My father just spoke it to me. I'm his son. He loves me. And he is pleased with me. And I pray that you'd receive those words right now. Would you receive those words as words of identity over your life? You are his child. He loves you, and he is pleased with you. Could you just receive that right now? These are words of identity for who you are. You are his child. He loves you, and he is so pleased with you. You let those words impact your heart, your soul, and your life. It will change how you live. You have to receive identity from Jesus. You gotta receive it. And you've gotta do this on a regular basis so you can live out your, your true identity in Christ. You are his child. He loves you. And he's pleased with you. The truth is a lot of us get caught up in living out of guilt and shame and, and that impacts our life. If you are one of those people that gets caught up living by, it's all about my performance and I feel guilty and I just, I, I allow shame to dictate and grow in my life. What happens is then that pushes us out of our true identity into a, a insecurity and we operate out of insecurity. And I want you to come back to this place and just know that God is pleased with you. He loves you right where you're at. It's not based upon your performance. Regardless of what you've done, God still loves you. Yes, he wants you to to repent, ask for forgiveness, and move forward, but he loves you right where you're at regardless. And it's imperative that we receive that love, that identity, and know that he is pleased with me so that I don't operate out of insecurity. What happens is when I operate out of insecurity because of you know, shame or whatever it is, uh, I end up hurting other people. I don't just hurt myself, I hurt other people. And it impacts all my relationships. My insecurities, I project that the issues that I'm facing in life are other people's problems, not mine, because I'm insecure and I end up projecting it onto other people. And it destroys relationships. And so I've got to sit in this place of, I, of identity and, and be secure in who I am. Would you close your eyes just for a moment right now and receive this? Just close your eyes. You are his child. He loves you. And he is pleased with you. Well, would you receive those powerful words of truth right now? God loves you. You are his. And he would say, I'm pleased with you. I want you to receive those words. 
It's the words of identity. Amen? We want to live out of the identity we have in Christ. He is our identity. And so let's bring it home by looking at this last thing. Jesus was filled and led by the Spirit. And I think this is so important because this helps us with everything else, friends. All the other things we've talked about, the other five. Jesus was filled and led by the Spirit. So flip over to the next chapter, Luke chapter 4, and you see what happens. Jesus is baptized. And then it says, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert. Okay, so did you catch that? We'll just stop right there, actually. Verse, verse 1. He was full of the Spirit, and he was led by the Spirit. Right there. Jesus, clearly, was filled with the Spirit, and he was led by the Spirit. Which would cause us to pause and just look at that. If Jesus, the Son of God... The God-man himself needed to be filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit. Lord knows we need to be filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit as well. In fact, if Jesus didn't do anything publicly in regards to his ministry and declare who he was as the long-awaited Messiah until he was filled by the Spirit, Lord knows we need to be filled by the Spirit. And this is not a one-time thing, friends. This is a daily, daily thing. And so today, again, we're just going to pray, God, fill me and lead me. Holy Spirit, would you fill me? Would you lead me? Jesus, Jesus shows us how to live out this life of being like him. It is being filled and led by the Spirit. And that's interesting when you, when you consider Jesus didn't do anything until after, like he didn't perform any miracles until he was filled by the Spirit. He didn't preach the gospel, proclaim the kingdom is here. He didn't do anything until he was filled by the Spirit. And it shows he wasn't just filled, but he was also led by the Spirit. And Jesus meant for you and I to live the same way. In fact, it's recorded in John 7. This is what it says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out. And I just love the passion of this moment. Jesus stands up in front of the crowd and he declares, he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I love that. If you believe in me, this is what's going to happen. Out of you, rivers of living water. And in case we don't know what on earth does Jesus mean by that, thankfully John takes the next sentence to explain it. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus, after he was glorified, he was raised from the dead. He came back and he came to send his spirit to empower you and I to live out this mission so that we could walk in love, be clear in our purpose, focused on our mission, holy in our thinking. We could be secure in our identity. We need to be filled and led by the Spirit. It is imperative, friends, that you and I daily do this. And as you read through the book of Acts, you realize it wasn't just a one-time thing. The, the Spirit continued to fill them. It happened throughout the life of the believers. And today, again, we need to pray, God, fill me and God, lead me. God, fill me and God, lead me. In fact, this is what we define a Christian as. Here at our church, we define a Christian as someone who's committed to following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, led by the Spirit of Jesus, and living on the mission of Jesus. 
You understand, what does it mean to be a Christian? This is it right here. Just simply put, I'm committed to following Jesus, which by the way, doesn't mean I'm perfect. I might mess up, might fall down, but I get back up, I'm committed. I'm gonna keep going. Nothing's gonna hold me back from following Jesus for the rest of my life. I'm continually being changed by Jesus. He's working on me. He's transforming me. We're, being, we're, we're called to be transformed into the image of Christ. I'm led by the spirit of Jesus and I'm living on the mission of Jesus, which is evangelism and discipleship, living on that mission. That's what it means to be a Christian. And so it's imperative that you and I are continually filled and led by the Spirit, filled and led by the Spirit. And I love the imagery that Jesus uses there about the Spirit. Hey, let me describe to you what the Spirit will be like. It'll be like rivers of, uh, of living water coming out of your heart. That's what it's like. Like when people come in contact with you, you and I, people of the Spirit, I pray that they would come in contact with, with rivers of, of living water that you breathe life into them. You, you bring encouragement and hope into them because the Spirit of God just oozes out of your life. That's my prayer for you, and that's my prayer for our church because this is one of the verses that we are anchoring the new name of our church. And the new name of our church is going to be Rivers Church based partly on this scripture right here, Rivers of Living Water. That's what we want to be. We want to be people have rivers of living water coming out of us. Rivers Church. And for those of you that didn't know the new name and you're, you've been anticipating this, you might think to yourself, that's it? Man, I was hoping for something better. Because <laughs> that's what always happens on things like this. You know, big announcements, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I don't know. I'll have to think on that one. You know, and, uh, I promise you, as has taken place for a lot of us, the longer you sit on this and think about it, the more you're like, yes. Hmm. I like this. Rivers Church. Jesus said, those who come to me and follow me, out of their heart will flow rivers of living water. And I pray that would come out of our life, come out of our church, rivers of living water. We want to be Rivers Church. And doesn't that look good, by the way? Yeah? Mm. Love that. Rivers Church. So here we go, guys. In two weeks is the grand opening of Rivers Church. And so we're gonna pray. But before we do, I just wanna take a few moments and I'm gonna talk about the grand opening because we're 14 days away. And so just kind of take a few moments and just kind of set it up and remind us of what we're doing, what's going on. Uh, we're in the middle of our 21-day fast. If you haven't started, feel free and join us. You can do a 14-day fast, feel free. Or you can do 21 days from today. Feel free, whatever. But we're in the middle of a 21-day fast. I'm praying that God, by His Spirit, is, is renewing you. You're experiencing some personal revival. I'm praying that rivers of living water come out of your life more and more and more. We're praying for the Spirit of God to move in our church as well in preparation for this new season as a church. So keep up on that fast. And let's lean into Jesus. Let's get on our knees, humble ourselves, and let's seek Him. Pray, God, do something new. Do something fresh. We're praying for salvations, by the way. We, want, we have five people at least. Many, some of us have more. And when we go into this last song in just a moment, feel free, if you haven't written any names on that prayer wall over there, feel free to go over there, just walk over there and just write those names. And we're just, uh, several of us, go and look at that wall, pray over those names throughout the week. You can even go over there in the middle of the song if you want and just pray over names. Feel free. We're praying and believing for salvations. And... 
as part of the mission that Jesus has given us. We'd see salvations. We're not just into discipleship here, we're into evangelism and discipleship, right? And so we're gonna pray for those five people. We're believing that they are gonna come to saving faith in Jesus. Um, Also, I wanted to announce something new and different, but we are looking at doing a, a little work day the day before our grand opening. If you wanna come on that Saturday morning, and come and join us. We're gonna be doing a work party, doing a few projects. We could use some manpower for that. We had one guy already tell us he's got a pressure washer. We can help with that. I think we got maybe actually a couple pressure washers. We could use some help. We're gonna do some cleaning, just a few projects. So let us know on the Connect card if you are available to come and help us on the Saturday before October 25th. So it'll be Saturday the 24th for that, for that work day. We could use some manpower and some help and just wanna just... Give a little love to our building and our property. And uh, that would be wonderful if you're able to help us with that. And then I talked about this last week, but if you wanna give to the grand opening, we'd love for you to give. And this would be above and beyond tithes, but this would be like, man, I just wanna give specifically to this. Since we're behind budget, just felt like it was important for us to honor our budget, but also we really feel strongly the Spirit of God is leading us to do this, step into this new season. And so if you want to help us, we're putting most of that expenses goes to signage. And the biggest one, obviously, we changing the monument sign so we can have uh, that, that Rivers Church logo up around and have a new monument sign put out there out front. And so you are helping us pay for all those things and uh, got a couple other little things that kind of add up that we want it to do as a part of the grand opening. But if you want to give to that, uh, just make sure you mark other and mark grand opening as part of that. And remember, there's four ways you can give. You and I can give. You can use the envelopes in front of you. You can give online. You can text to give. You can mail in that envelope as well. If you want to take that envelope home and mail it in, feel free. All those ways you can give. So look at my notes here. I just want to make sure I don't miss anything. 14 days from today. Here we go. 14 days. And my prayer is that God will use you and I with greater faith to be bold and not ashamed of the gospel. Let's not just pray for salvations. Let's step out and have conversations with people and see what God does. Let's, and we'll talk more about leading others to him next week as we look at the last part of our our mission statement. But today, boy, in about 30 minutes, 35 minutes, we did it. Live like Jesus. There's so much more we could say, so much more we can talk about it, but those are basic foundational things. And we just pray, God, by your spirit, help us to live this way. Would you stand to your feet? We're gonna pray this right now. And we're gonna go back into the song that we sang at the beginning of our service, because here's what happens when the spirit really comes on our life and uses us, there will be breakthrough. And so the spirit brings breakthrough into our life and other people's lives. The greatest breakthrough he, he brings is when he opens people's eyes to see Jesus for who he is and they say yes to him. We're praying for that breakthrough over and over and over and over again. But maybe there's other breakthrough you need in your life. We got lots of people that are walking through tough things, difficult things, and I pray the spirit of God would fill you today that there'd be breakthrough in your life today. We're gonna declare this song, we're gonna sing it, and we're just gonna ask, spirit of God, fill us. So if you're joining us at home, you're online right now, just begin to pray along with us and just join me as we ask the the Spirit of God to fill us right now. Come on, let's go to him. Jesus, we're thankful for the example of how you lived and ultimately thankful for the incredible love that you showed us by dying on the cross for our sins. You took our place of death because of our sins. And so Lord, we're so thankful for that because we have salvation and life and a relationship with you because of what you did. 
And so right now, Lord Jesus, we're again just saying thank you. Thank you for the gift of salvation, Lord. I pray for those that maybe have never said yes to you. I pray that today would be a day they say yes to you. They would commit to following you, find the forgiveness and the freedom that you have for them, Lord. I pray that today would be the day. And for all of us, Lord, as we commit to you anew and fresh, God, we come to you and ask, Holy Spirit, fill us. Holy Spirit, fill us. From the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet, completely and fully, Holy Spirit, would you fill us? And would you just begin to ask him right now in your own words? If you want, just kind of lift your hands up into heaven just as a sign of saying, I'm open, I'm available, Holy Spirit. Would you begin to fill me right now? Just begin to call upon the Spirit of God to fill you new and afresh today. Come on, today's a new day. You need the Spirit of God to fill you and anoint you and empower you today for all that he has for you. Come on, let's just get hungry. Let's go after him. Holy Spirit, fill us. As we sing the songs, we declare the song, we are believing for a breakthrough in our life and through our life by the power of your Spirit. Holy Spirit, we want to be people of you, people of the Spirit, everywhere we go. I pray that as people encounter us, that they would encounter rivers of living water coming out of us because it's you, your Spirit coming out of us. Holy Spirit, fill us right now today in a real, tangible way. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, move, we pray in Jesus' name. again for listening to this message of Bell Road Church. We hope you enjoyed it and that God spoke to you through it. Be sure to connect with us online via Twitter, Facebook, and at bellroadchurch.com.